today's episode of Jazzed. Former jazz man Elijah Millsap joins the show. Eli has a very unique perspective on this Jazz Nugget series. Former player for Quinn Snyder, brother to Paul Millsap. Eli helps break down the series and what we should expect in Game 7. We also dive into Elijah's time with the Jazz, playing for Quinn, playing with Rudy, playing against Kobe Bryant. We also chat about the late, great Jerry Sloan and what he meant to Eli's life as a player and as a man. Really appreciate Elijah for taking the time and giving us his perspective as a, as a player. And um, excited to get this one out there. Here we go. Welcome back to the Jazz Podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited about our, our guest today. Um, former jazz player, uh, Elijah Millsap is kind enough to, to take the time and, and chat. And we've got a huge Game 7 um, as, as NBA fans, as Jazz fans uh, go tonight against the Nuggets. And Eli has a truly unique perspective on that series. Um, but first, Eli, how are you? I'm good, man. Glad to uh, be on and for you to invite me. How's life? Um, tell us a little bit about Elijah Millsap uh, today. Uh, for fans, jazz fans who who remember you from a few years back. Oh man, not too much has changed. You know, uh, first things first. You know, uh, family. So my boys, uh, two boys have gotten bigger. So um, they're in school, virtual school right now, as well as they like sports. So I um, spend a lot of time with them. They're at that fun age right now. So um, spend a lot of time with them. Obviously, doing the core team. Uh, still work out and uh, stay in shape. You know, um, obviously right now I'm, I don't plan on going overseas and playing basketball still until uh, we understand exactly where we are, are as in the world and in the country. So, but I still stay in shape. But uh, yeah, just uh, you know, relaxing, working on businesses such as my uh, clothing line right now, Dubai Soul, as well as um, doing some fun things with the. Uh, building an app called Karma Arena for sports fans uh, and engagement. And, um, yeah, just relaxing, man, and enjoying uh, the moment right now. It's fun following you on social because, um, you know, you can just tell how proud of a dad you are. Um, I have two little boys also, and I think your guys are uh, a few years older um, than my two boys, and it's just fun to see just kind of – just because I'm, I feel like I'm in the same, the same boat. We're in the same, you know, we're in the same shoes, so to speak. Um, just kind of being dads and, and trying to raise, you know, boys and, and just kind of seeing them go through the motions. Mine are four and a half and just turn one, so they're they're a bit behind your guys. But um, being a dad, it, it's pretty fun. Absolutely, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, I wasn't uh, too, I wasn't going, uh, I guess, too fast to to go back and play basketball. You know, the last time I came back from overseas, my sons. Were, were crying in my arms, didn't want me to go. But now they're, you know, asking for me to play basketball. And again, I'm like, you guys can't have it both ways. You got to, you got to choose one. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's fun, man, to to get them started in that journey. They actually love the sport, and I told them, you know, with me being here, it gives them a, a head start and a, an advantage uh, over their peers. So uh, we just been taking advantage of that. Yeah, well, they've got that Millsap blood and. We all know as basketball fans and jazz fans, you know, you're you and your brothers, you guys you guys are just a baller family and and I think your boys probably inherited that gene. Thank you. Now, um I wanna get into a lot about, you know, obviously like I mentioned, jazz game seven is tonight. A lot of uh, the the basketball world's gonna be watching because it's been it's been well, such 
a unique series. You know, the Jazz looked like the team that Denver just couldn't stop, and the next few games, Denver has just been amazing. They kind of figured it out. Um, But before we get there, I kind of want to get your opinion, um, just your take on, you know, the state of the country, the world, um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, We kind of chatted a, a second before we got on, and, you know, as a as as a white man in in this country, um, I I just want to know how I how I can help, what I can do to support the movement. And I just kind of want to get your perspective on on how how things are for you and what 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 you your your recommendations or your suggestions for people like me who are just you know what can I do to help? Okay, uh, yeah. First and foremost, I mean, obviously, a lot of this. Uh, that's going on has been going on for for a very long time uh obviously with uh the quarantine and with uh everybody being a house uh everybody can see what's going on now and uh with even with uh when kaepernick you know uh took a kneel uh four years ago you know i kind of like had the awareness of yes this is going on and i still with him but I obviously felt exactly what he was doing and I actually wanted to kneel with him. And, uh, sometimes I go back and forth with myself, like, you know what, man, you should have kneeled. Uh, cause I was at the Utah jazz tank, uh, uh, Ben. And, um, I was aware that it was going on in our country. And, uh, sometimes I, you know, I, I fought myself like, you know what, maybe if I would have used my platform better, you know, a lot of these, uh, African American men wouldn't have been killed. Uh, so, you know, it's a it's a good thing uh, that it's 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 happening and that people are aware and that people are seeing it. Uh, definitely for the uh, uh, for white people as well as you know uh, legislation, so they can actually start you know doing things to kind of like make a change. But uh, obviously, the change uh, begins with everybody, and it begins uh, in our households. You know. Uh, it's no time to kind of like beat up on white people because, you know, they didn't know or they didn't, they're not acting and there's no time for white people to get defensive. Uh, we all got to do this thing together. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I started the brand, uh, divine soul. Uh, a lot of what I talk about in divine soul is, uh, inspiring, empowering and love. And so, uh, if everybody approached this thing with love and, uh, remember the, Obviously, the uh, the golden rule, you know, doing on doing to others as you want done it to you. You know, if you don't want that done to you, you shouldn't do it to nobody else. You know, and so I keep it things simple. You know, uh, everybody else they have all this and all that. You know, just do people how you want to do. Uh, want to be treated. Uh, treat people, kids, how you want somebody to treat your kids. You know, you wouldn't want no kid, nobody to to shoot your your son in the back or put your knee on some your son. So why would you do it to somebody else? And if we keep it like that, you know, if we um, remember that rule, you know, I think everything will will move smoothly. But, you know, everybody makes uh, things more complicated than what it really needs to be. Just love. Just love. I um, That's so well said. Um, it really puts it in perspective. Um, you know, when you when you mentioned, you know, bringing it up in your own household, um, how I raise my kids, how you raise your kids. It's just, you know, raising them with love in their heart and. I, I just think that's that's such a great message. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Um, how, how do you feel the NBA is doing um, as a league to to get the messaging out there? 
Um, everybody's doing their part, I feel like, uh, to the best that they can. But obviously, we can do more. Um, me, I wasn't in favor of the NBA coming back because, you know, I did get a, a, I guess, a joy of seeing how many people and listening to their voices. And, uh, you know, obviously with the NBA uh, coming back, you know, it, it puts the pressure on the players to actually, you know, uh, do exactly what they say they're going to do. And they've been doing that. And so uh, our hats off to them. They're actually, you know, uh, bringing it to the forefront and they're not letting people forget what's going on uh, because obviously so many people can't get, you know, caught up with the thrill of the game. But uh, reality is, you know, this is a big moment for African-Americans and, and in history and we can't take no steps back. So that's what they have to do at this particular point. So we all have to continue to do more and to, you know, yeah, just continue to be better and do more because, you know, we may not get another chance to, you know, uh, get better in this in this way. You know, uh, it's bad, man. And so we, we, we all, all got to continue to do our part. Yeah, I, I do love, um, you know, the NBA, you know, players and teams were, were boycotting for a, a few a few days. And it seemed it seemed like the thing that came directly out of that, um, from my perspective, was getting, you know, local legisla uh, legislation involved. Um, it, it seems like um, there was more, um, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but pressure for arenas to, be, to become voting stations um, to help, to make it easier for people to vote. And it seemed like, you know, we heard here in Salt Lake with the Vivint Smart Home Arena um, and, other, and other cities where uh, they're going to be making those uh, venues uh, voting stations. And I think that is such a big, a big deal because so many people around the country, as you know, it's just, it's just hard to actually get out and vote because the lines are so long and there's only so many areas to go. And I think, um, opening NBA arenas for people is, is a, is a big step as well. Yeah, that's huge. That, 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 uh, that is huge for, uh, for the league as well as for, for everybody. You know, uh, one thing I'm, I'm in favor of is, is, is voting. That's, that's, that's huge. And uh, a lot of people need to just educate themselves on the voting aspect. But also, you know, first things first is we also got to clean up our, our corporations as well. You know, um, we can't allow it to go on in our corporations. You know, uh, although everybody saying vote, 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 we also got to go into our schools. We got to go into our job. We got to go into the workforces. And we got to see exactly what's going on there as well. You know, people are abusing their their titles people are abusing their you know their their privilege uh we can't have that going on either you know and uh racism and race i mean we're racist or you know that all of them are not you know obviously wearing a, a hat a white hat over their head and uh, you know saying that they're racist so we got to kind of like go dig up those those truths from from people and uh see exactly how we can address it yeah um, I, I think that's, that's well said. I think people just need to get out and vote, educate themselves, learn, learn actually what's on the ballot. Uh, what are you voting for? Um, and make, you know, that's, that's the way to make the change. So, um, I think that's, that's, that's where it all starts really is just, it's in your power to, to vote and to, to, to make change. Um, Absolutely. I, I kind of want to go back in time a little bit, um, 
obviously I know Eli from my time, from our time at the Jazz. Eli played for the Jazz for two seasons. We were able to go on the Junior Jazz road trip. Now, I want to take you back in time. I think it was, I want to say it was the summer of 2015. I think that that sounds about right. Five years ago. That was it. Yep. Um, Eli, myself, um, Nate Martinez, who is the, the man in charge of kind of the Junior Jazz program, and, and Eli's trainer, Harold. I remember Harold. I remember his name. Uh, we're out on the road for a week um, going to, you know, city to city, um, rural Utah, and just kind of taking clinics to kids. And um, I usually would go out on one of the weeks. Um, and, and when Nate told me who you, you were going, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go. And the thing that I remember, oh, so let me just set up the scene a little bit more. So we, we leave Salt Lake City and we drive hours. Um, and we get to our first stop probably three hours away. Do a clinic. Eli runs a clinic, teaches kids, you know, the fundamentals of basketball. We drive another two hours away, do another clinic. We drive another hour and a half away, do another clinic, right? I think we did three, three a day and they were usually separated by like 90 minutes or two hours apart just kind of driving through nowhere. And the thing that I remember, the thing that stuck with my, in my head the most was how dedicated you were to working out. And that, that might just sound like, oh yeah, he likes to work out. He's an, a professional athlete. No, that's not, that's not how every athlete is, especially in the summer, especially when you're in a car for five, six hours a day and you're running clinics. Elijah Millsap, after every clinic, wanted to get his workout in and, and naturally had his trainer with him. But this is a dude who wanted to get better and was f- just so focused on improving. And I think that that just sh- tells people what kind of a person you are and a competitor you are. But that's that's how you got where you got. That's how you became an NBA player is you put in the work. And when you mentioned earlier at the start, you're like, oh, yeah, I still work out. I'm like... Yeah, I'm sure you do because you're like a, <laughs> you're a workout guy. And I remember I was just tired. I, I'm the guy just standing there with a camera, and I'm tired. And now you're going to work out for two hours. And, and Nate and I were just like, hey, we're letting Eli do whatever he wants. He wants to work out. Let's do it. So first of all, talk to me from your perspective about that Junior Jazz trip, seeing all those kids, traveling all those cities, but also just that fire you have to to just improve. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I would never forget that trip. That trip was uh, amazing. You know, you guys made it uh, a joy. And uh, we was able to see some um, some beautiful uh, parts of Utah that I was never able to, to see before. So uh, thank you guys for that. Uh, it was amazing to be around so many of the kids who were not able to, you know, come uh, all the way to Salt Lake and visit a, a jazz game. Uh, a lot of them watched it on TV. And uh, that's what we heard the most, right? That uh, nobody ever comes out to see us, and so it was good, man. It was fun. Uh, the kids had energy, energy everywhere we went, and uh, that's what it's about. You know, it's about giving back. And uh, I've always, you know, uh, loved Utah. Uh, they've always embraced uh, my family, and so you know that was uh, something I, I jumped at to you know travel around Utah and uh, see other people. Uh, the, the workout aspect, man, is just, you know, that's, that's just, that's just who I am, you know, uh, it's who I want to be, you know, uh, even if, uh, I retire or I just don't see myself not working out, that's, that's a part of, you know, daily, daily life to me. And so, 
uh, you've been doing it for this many years. Uh, I try to tell, you know, I'm trying to instill it in my young, my kids right now that, you know, if you start early, you know, train yourself to, so, you know, that it's a, it's a lifestyle that you, you have, that you, it's not about having to do anything. It's about, this is what I do, you know, uh, that's the best way to, to, to think and approach your, your life. I mean, what else? What else? It's only an hour, two hours a day, you know, then you got the rest of the day to, to do what you want, but make sure that you, you're getting better because, you know, uh, me personally, I've always had to, to get it that way. You know, I've always had to be uh, somewhat of a perfectionist and I couldn't miss a beat because if I did, you know, uh, I wouldn't have the opportunities that I had. So, yeah. I love it. And I think you and I are also similar in the sense where, We've got older brothers. We've got a younger brother. And I think I think being kind of like a middle child or, or at least having older brothers, you, you grow up with this certain sense of like this desire to get better than your older brothers. I know I did, and I think I'm sure that was a fire in you where, in my case, my older brothers wouldn't let me play basketball with them because I was a younger brother. I wasn't good enough. So I would sit there and mm. I would just kind of like – let this let this fire burn of I cannot wait to get better so I can play not only play with them but I'm gonna beat them Did, how how is that amongst the Millsap brothers and and for you um, going against going against those guys yeah and competition in basketball uh, definitely had to work out to be be better to even compete with my brothers you know both of my brothers older brothers are are, are, are great basketball players you know uh, so to compete with them in basketball I had to put in the work but, you know, I never really thought about, you know, being better than my brother. It's just more so of, I want to create my own name. You know, my whole fire about that was, you know, uh, people always doubted me. Uh, they always looked at me as a little brother and playing the game of basketball. And uh, I've always been a workhorse. You know, I've always been a person who wanted to get my own name and people to see me for, for who I am as a basketball player. And uh, that's a little tougher, you know, coming behind a, a, a brother who was a, a four-time All-Star. So I had to put in a lot of work. Uh, and that's just what I had to do, you know. So that was my driving force, you know. I got to create my own name, you know. I don't want people to say, okay, he give me anything because he's Paul's brother or he's good because of this. No, uh, I put in the work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a good segue, I think, to to just chatting about this, uh, this series, the Jazz and the Nuggets. Um, what a weird, what a weird series, first of all. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, uh, game one was just this crazy overtime thriller could go either way, but then the jazz come out, something clicked and the jazz went three straight. A couple of them looked like they were just winning, going away. And everyone's like, Oh yeah, this is done in five. At least I was. Then the next two games, it's a combination of both teams going back and forth. Donovan Mitchell scoring like crazy, but then Jamal Murray scoring like crazy. And the Nuggets just seem to have unlocked something with exploiting the Jazz. From my perspective, as a fan of basketball, someone who's watched a lot of basketball, not an NBA player, not a coach, but it seems like the Nuggets have found mismatches and they're exploiting the Jazz on defense and the Jazz can't do anything about it. And then on the, on vice, the vice versa, the Jazz don't have enough with Donovan to do the same thing to the Nuggets. Even though both teams are kind of scoring at will, it seem, just seems like the Nuggets have figured out a little bit more. Now, you have such a unique perspective. One, as a M- former NBA player. Two, you played for mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder. Three, your brother Paul Millsap is in this series. 
how, just talk to me about this series um, in general, and then what do you think about this Game 7? Yeah, this series has been uh, one of the one of the best series uh, in the bubble. Uh, obviously, you got two dynamic uh, players, uh, young players, and, and Jamal and Donovan, who can fill up the fill up the stat sheet. But you know, obviously, there's no defense being played. You know, me, I'm a defender, and um, you know, this is one of those uh, one of those situations where I feel like the Jazz were were uh, maintaining Denver, you know, the first, uh, what, two to three games, I think that they won, three games that they won. But now you see that Denver has kind of like found their, their groove and their flow. Um, Utah, you know, Quinn, uh, he hasn't changed his defense since 2014, since I've been there, you know, and he hasn't, you know, it's a defense that, is uh, predicated on uh, manipulation and uh, basically, you know, uh, getting people to getting other players, you know, out of what they do, you know, and basically, uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those situations now where Denver knows that you can't manipulate them. They're playing to their strengths. They're spreading the court. They're attacking Rudy and, um, they're just, you know, playing with confidence now. And so it's going to be good to see uh, what kind of adjustments Quinn, Quinn makes in this uh, this Game 7. We used to spend a lot of time, you know, he used to ask me a lot uh, of questions about the de- defense. And uh, I brought a lot to the team when it came to, you know, being a defender. And uh, he has those type of defenders now with uh, Royce, and, and those guys and so it's going to be interesting to see him make the, the adjustments uh i still believe that denver's and has the you know has the momentum right now because of the last two or three games and if they're playing like that and jamal you know who's scoring 50 if you can get you know 10 15 from paul another 20 from joker and somebody else go like how do you stop them right so uh it's been a lot of, you know, uh, Donovan's been having to put up a lot of points. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so if he can do that again, as well as, you know, get one or two other guys involved, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be a good game. Do you do you feel like it's – it seems like whoever is, whoever's won that matchup of Murray and Mitchell has kind of won the game with the kind of an exception a couple of times, you know, game one being one of them. Do you do you kind of feel like it's just going to be whoever scores more out of those two guys, or or do you think it's going to be yeah Paul, if Paul scores twenty, or if um, Rudy, you know, goes off and he gets mid twenties, or Jordan Clarkson gets mid. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's do you think it's coming down to that one on one matchup or um, the the kind of the the side the side pieces? Um, I mean Donovan. And uh, Jamal has proven that they both were going to get theirs, right? So they're going to get theirs. So uh, you can cancel those two out. Uh, it's almost like, you know, Rudy is going to be Rudy in a sense of uh, he's going to bring either blocks, uh, rebounds, and he can easily get 15 to 20, you know. So uh, him and Joker kind of like cancels out, right? Because Joker's going to get his 20. And so 
it's definitely going to come down to you know the the other 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 players. Uh, Paul is going to do Paul do his thing, and uh, other guys, you know, do their thing. I feel like they got the upper hand just because they have more pieces. You know, uh, the Jazz are still fairly. Uh, I wouldn't say young, but they don't have all their pieces. They don't have, you know, Bobby Brogdon. And so uh, I feel like the upper hand goes to Denver. But obviously, you know, just because uh, this has been um, an offensive series, you know, there's not been too much defense being played outside of uh, of those first. You know, Denver basically not playing with, with the rhythm that they normally play with in the first couple games. So I'm going with Denver, but if the Jazz can, you know, get some stops and make those adjustments, then it favors them. So it got to be a Jazz. I think for the Jazz, it has to be one of those uh, defensive things. But uh, I'm going with Denver. Talk to me a little bit more about, you you mentioned, you know, you and Quinn talking about manipulating defenses. Um, And you were known throughout your whole career as a a really, really good defender. what just talk to me a little bit more about Quinn and and that just how how can the Jazz manipulate the defense and, and your relationship with them a little bit? Yeah, think about it. You know, think about who we had at the time. You know, uh, when I first got to the Utah Jazz, like we were the worst team in the NBA. Uh, we had the worst defense, and so after you know I've signed and uh, after the All Star break, we became the best defensive team, and we had uh, some of the best uh, percentages on defense. So a lot of it came from manipulation because we didn't have uh, a lot of talent. You know, at the time, everybody, we had, I think, a few guys hurt, but we didn't have too many defenders. Uh, at the time, Gordon wasn't known for getting stops. Uh, Rodney wasn't known for getting stops. Alec wasn't known for getting stops. Uh, Joe wasn't known for getting stops at the time. So uh, when I talk about manipulation, like uh, we really manipulated the defense by, you know, working together. Uh, funneling people to Rudy, you know, because obviously we did have Rudy and basically you knew what he was going to do, which is uh, block shots. Uh, Obviously he's a better player, but he still does what he does very well. And they do that still to this day, you know, funnel a lot of guys to Rudy and uh, make them take tough shots in the, the, whether it's a floater or just that a presence that, you know, he brings to the court. And so, uh, but when it comes to spacing the court out, you know, uh, the Jazz can't do nothing about that. And so that's always been the case, you know. And so uh, for them to be successful, you know, tonight they're going to have to, you know, uh, do a little bit more manipulating. <laughs> 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 but uh, with, that, with that court, when that floor is uh, space and uh, guys can actually, you know, do their thing, you know, uh, it's tough for the Jazz when they got to guard CJ, Dame, they got to guard, you know, James Harden, you know, and they spread that court and they go one-on-one with those players. It's it's tough for them. Yeah. Well, from your perspective as the guy who was probably guarding, you know, if you were playing for the Jazz right now, you'd be tasked with guarding Jamal Murray. Is is it just a case when a guy gets hot, you know, and we've all, you know, anybody who's played basketball, first of all, you know what it's like, at least in some way, to be in a zone where you feel like you can't miss. But then you, and on the flip side, you feel like, okay, I'm going to guard this guy. Okay, I, I know I played in games where I was guarding my man, but then somebody else's man is going off, and I'm, okay, okay, switch. I'm going to guard this guy. What would you be doing 
as a, a primary perimeter defender on Jamal Murray to to slow to at least try to slow him down. I wish I could tell you that, Matt, but you know you're posting this right before the game, and I can't give those. <laughs> <laughs> the Jazz, the Jazz will have to uh, to pay me for to come in for consult for that situation. <laughs> Touche. Okay, that's I'll, I'll accept that. I, I definitely have uh, my my note, but I can't I can't reveal them right now, man. <laughs> Well, a couple other topics um, kind of on the coaching realm. Um, one is uh, we, we heard – I'm going to talk about Johnny Bryant very briefly. Now, Johnny, you know, it's, there's news that he's taken a job to go coach, uh, be the uh, top assistant in New York with the Knicks. And Johnny, you know, Jazz fans, people in Utah, NBA fans know, you know, he was a, a really, really great player at the University of Utah. And then really – became I, I think he was so intertwined with with Paul because I think correct me if I'm wrong he was Paul's kind of trainer um, I don't know if that was during the season or just off season or or whatnot but um, Johnny did so much so many good things with Paul that the jazz organization was like hey we got to just get this guy on staff and and now his his career his coaching career is is, is blossoming and you can you can see Johnny Bryant's going to be an NBA coach in the NBA one day so what what was your relationship with like with Johnny, you know, personally and just as as a coach and and is it what, talked about about that move, you know, from the Jazz to the Knicks um reportedly that he's going to be going after the season. Um tell me a little bit about Johnny. Yeah, Johnny's uh Johnny Bryant is my my brother, man. Uh he's been a great friend and family uh friend of the family for for years. Uh, I remember times he used to wake up with me around 5 o'clock in the morning. We used to get our work in. And so uh, this was not a one or two time thing. Like we used to do this like every day. And so Johnny has always been a great friend of our family. Uh, it's great to see, you know, the success he's been having uh, in the NBA. Uh, he's been a tremendous uh, development coach uh, in the NBA, you know, and he's continued to, to, to blossom. He's continuing to grow. So it's just amazing. I think that fit would be great with him and uh, Tibbs, though, for sure. Yeah, it's a big blow for Jazz fans. I, uh, for those of us who know, you know how much he's meant to the organization. I think, um, and and seeing the development of players, you know, the Jazz are known right now as we develop young players and make them better. And obviously, mm-hmm. Quinn is a big part of that. But I think Johnny is kind of that. I think he's kind of that secret sauce, uh, so to speak, where he 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 unlocks things in in players. Um, and he puts in the work, you know, I was behind the scenes a lot watching him put in the work with players and, um, it's going to be a big loss for the jazz and hopefully, you know, we can, we can replace him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a saying that I'm sure you've heard, you know, once a jazz man, always a jazz man. And which obviously applies Mm -hmm. to you, which applies to your brother, but applies to Johnny, even though he didn't play here. And I think all jazz fans just wish him well and, uh, and, uh, success on his next, on his next venture. Absolutely. And I wanted to get your opinion um, or just kind of your take on you never played for Coach Sloan, um, but I, I I would believe that Coach Sloan had an impact on your life, obviously a, a huge impact on, on the life of your brother, Paul. Um, he, you know, we lost the late, great Jerry Sloan earlier this year. Um, how, how did he impact? Because... Um, your life and just the the Millsap family, but you know, I, I know he was an advisor when you played for the Jazz. You know, he was still around um, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, how 
talk to me about uh, about Coach Sloan and what he's kind of meant to you in your life. Well, yeah, uh, everybody kind of knows like what he's meant to to me as well as my my family. Uh, he gave us an opportunity. He gave Paul opportunity, and so uh, you know we love Jerry Sloan. You know, and uh, a lot of people don't know how close I was to Jerry, uh, and like what he actually meant to me as an advisor with Utah, you know, uh, we actually used to talk all the time <laughs> to be honest with you. And, um, he used to give me pointers. He used to tell me, you know, I need to get my head on straight at times. At times he used to tell me what, uh, he used to talk about, you know, different, you know, defensive thing, tactics. He used to tell me all the time if, uh, he wished that, uh, he was coaching and he, he would have loved to have a player like me as, when I was with there. So I used to tell him all the time, man, I, I love the way you you coach. I love your, your attitude, the way you, you know, it's just, uh, the way, you know, he brings his, his, his swag to the, to the, to the, to the game. You know, it's not too many people and not too many coaches out there like Jerry Sloan. Uh, if I had to choose one coach in NBA history, you know, to, to coach me, I would definitely choose, uh, Jerry Sloan. It's just because uh, everything that he brings to the game, you know, uh, he has his players back. He's not afraid to, you know, uh, talk to the referees uh, for you. He's not afraid to, you know, get in your face. Uh, what more do you want as a coach? So, Jerry meant a lot to me, man. I uh, can't tell you how many times we had, uh, I sat down with him after practices uh, and we're just talking, you know, he's just filling my head up with game and, and wisdom. And so I appreciate him for that. Yeah. Such a, such a giant in, in the basketball world. And, um, I actually talked on this podcast with Jerry's daughter, Kathy. Um, she mm-hmm. kind of just shared a bunch of stories shortly after, um, Jerry's passing. And, um, we talked, it's, it's sort of amazing. And, you know, he hasn't been the coach of the jazz obviously in, you know, a decade and, but he was here a long time and, his his fabric of who he is who he was it's almost literally still what the jazz are and you know just that tough hard-nosed guys you know he'd rub off on his players like you and paul and you know matt harpering whoever like you guys are are jerry sloan guys and you fit so perfectly into the jazz dna and I, I think that still permeates the jazz. I think we still look for those guys. You know, there's a phrase amongst jazz fans like jazz guys, like, oh, yeah, he's a jazz guy. And I think it's because of Jerry Sloan. And I think it's kind of amazing. There's not a lot of coaches or former coaches. You know, I think of maybe like Greg Popovich or, you know, some of the, the other all-time greats were, um, and obviously he's still coaching, but just they they made they made the foundation and it's still it's it, it seems like it's always going to be a jerry sloan foundation of the jazz for you for years absolutely i mean you could it's just it's just what it is i know when i was younger i grew up watching you know the the games with uh jerry sloan you know uh for me he was like one of the faces of the nba if you ask me uh as a coach you know what i'm saying uh Jerry Sloan was that guy, man. So it's it's hard for me, you know, to even put it in words. But you know, uh, man, I love that dude. Yeah. Talking about this era of jazz basketball, I, I'm I mentioned to you before to, to kind of get ready that uh, 
this is my 26th episode of this podcast, and I try to tie those to player jersey numbers. A guy who played for Jerry, who played for the Jazz for years, who didn't really um, intersect with your time here, but I'm sure there's a lot of pickup ball that you played with this guy. Kyle Korver, um, number 26 of the Jazz, still in the NBA, still on the Bucks, still trying to, you know, um, to do his thing and still doing it at a high level. Just talk to me about Kyle. Like, what comes to mind when you when you hear Kyle Korver's name? Man, just a, a humble person, you know, a very, very humble being, human being. And uh, obviously everybody knows what he does on the, the basketball court. We know he's professional. Uh, every time I interacted with Kyle, he always gave me some type of wisdom um, on the game or, you know, uh, you know, in life in a sense of, you know, just uh, just presence. And so, yeah, Cal Clover has always been uh, one of those guys that you knew uh, was, I'll call him like a stabilizer guy. You know, if you put him in any game, he's just going to, he's going to do what he, he do, you know, and uh, you can trust him. You can trust him. I like that. He he's definitely one of those jazz guys that we we were just talking about. Yeah. You know, he's, a, he's a jazz guy. For sure. You know, he does no BS. For sure. Like he just does he does his job. He puts in the work. Right. Yep. Now one one topic, um one last topic I wanted to chat about, um, is Rudy. You know, you, you played with Rudy, you know Rudy. Um your first year playing for the Jazz was his was his second year, I believe. And talk to me just kind of from your perspective as a, as a former teammate and now, you know, a fan of the NBA, seeing his development, um, because for a lot of fans, myself included, when, when Rudy was first here, you know, it was, it was such a different game for him. He was used to the international game and he, his rookie year, he couldn't stay on the court because he would foul out and he, his hands weren't good and he practiced, you know, he, he worked on that. And, you know, I'm sure you saw stuff behind the scenes of him working that none of us ever know about, but just talk to me about Rudy and, and seeing his development from just this kind of project, this, this super tall guy from France who became a two-time defensive player of the year, all-star, you know, uh, force in the NBA. What, what's that, that, uh, journey been like, um, watching Rudy? It's a beautiful man. Uh, Rudy is probably one of the, uh, one of the teammates that I spent the most time with when I was, uh, with the Utah Jazz. And, uh, his ceiling, the crazy thing is his ceiling. Like, he has no ceiling. So he's con- continue. I see him now, and I'm like, yo, this guy can continue to get better, you know, even on the offensive end. Uh, there's certain things that he can still do, but he does what he do great, you know, and he's, he's sticking to that. And so uh, the maturation process for him from the time that, you know, I got there to the time that uh, to where he is now has been, uh, it's been beautiful. And uh, one thing you can – one thing I've always known about Rudy that people don't know is like he just wants it. He wants it so bad, and uh, he's willing to put in the work, and he has put in the work, and he's, you know, he's reaping the benefits of it. Yeah. Now, I, I think I would be, I wouldn't forgive myself if I didn't bring this up. It's it's a light topic. It's funny. Happened a few games ago. Now, all Jazz fans, I mentioned many times already that we love Paul Millsap. Like he's a Jazz guy. He he. Everyone loves Paul Millsap, right? The couple games ago when he did a stare down on Donovan, <laughs> I'm sure you're watching it. I mean, and we've all been there. Anybody who's ever played basketball, basketball is a fiery game. You get heated, you know, yeah. You and especially when you block someone's shot. Like, I'm a nobody, and I'm playing rec ball, and I block someone's shot. Like, you feel it kind of like you're the man. You want to stare him down. Mm-hmm. 
And and what, but it's funny because you know, and you played with guys like Donovan, where he's like, oh, okay, like that's cool. You blocked my shot. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make a three on you. I'm gonna make you pay for that. And when that happened, yeah. I, I can't blame Paul. But then when that happened, I was like, oh no, Donovan, Donovan's gonna take that personally. And and he did. And luckily for Jazz fans, like we ended up winning that game. Uh, w- w- when you saw that, were you just like, oh yeah, that's Paul, Paul being Paul? Like, what was your perspective of that uh, that kind of sequence? Well, at the time, they were what, what I think they were down two games to two games to one, and uh, I think we had had a conversation, and basically, you know, uh, that was necessary. You know, uh, they needed to kind of like get into a little bit more of a a rough physical type of game. You know, Jazz was actually Donovan was actually doing what he wanted to do to them. So, uh, I mean, we watched the game long enough. Uh, you know, when the guy's doing what he want to do, sometimes you gotta you know, either foul them hard to try to get them out that rhythm or to try to do like the, the different tactics to kind of like get them out of his, uh, his, uh, his rhythm, you know? So uh, I think that was part of uh, what Paul understood that he needed to do for his, for his team to get them going, you know, to kind of like, you know, uh, show some more swagger, you know? And so uh, a little bit more confidence on the defensive end. And even though, you know, Donovan came back and hit that shot, you know, that's just a testament to who he is as a player as well. It's, it's just basketball, you know. Uh, yep. You, <laughs> it's just basketball. It's always test. Okay, you know what? You you block my shot. I'm gonna come back down. I'm gonna hit this <laughs> shot. You know. So it's just part of it. it. It's funny. Just as you were talking about that, what came in my mind again was that's what Jerry Sloan would have done. And I think for sure. I think I think that's missing in the NBA today. Honestly, as a Jazz fan, yeah. that's all I want someone to do to Jamal Murray. I don't even think I don't know if the Jazz have a player like Paul Millsap or a player who would go and just kind of not necessarily foul someone hard or or unnecessarily, but just kind of say, "Hey, I'm here and I'm not going to roll yeah, over." Yeah, you're not about to score 50 on me just you know what I'm saying, just be, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's going to be you you may get your 30 or maybe, but at the end of the day it's going to be hard fought and you're going to be tired as hell when you get back to the hotel room. So Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I respect that, Absolutely. Paul. I respect that, and and like I said, like we got nothing but love for Paul, and uh, and I I I think we were happy that Donovan went and made that shot at the time. I was just like, dang, Paul, don't do it like yeah, that. But a big shot. You understand, like that's that's basketball, and and as you would just explain that, that just clicked in my head of like, oh yeah, you you got to send a message sometime, like put a guy in his butt and just say, hey, like it's not going to be easy. All right. Yep, you got to, and uh, it's definitely missing in the NBA game today, you know. And so, you know, that's it's, been, it's hard for me a guy like me who's, who love like take pride in uh, getting stops as well as watching guys get stops. You know, I lo- I like to see people work for it. You know, uh, like when Kobe was playing, you know, guys hanging off his arm and he's still making shots. Like that shit, it was unreal. You know, yeah. <laughs> and so, but after that day, you know, they were giving everything that they got on defensive end. Like the referees wasn't going to give Kobe anything and he just earned it. Like, and so I missed those days when uh, guys were able to, you know, be a little bit more chippy and a little bit more physical on the defensive end. And, you know, actually the offensive guys, it just take them to another level, man. It's not going to hurt them. It just takes them to another level. Almost like what Donovan did with that shot. And so. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to see a little bit more of that in the playoffs, right? Well, I have to ask, what is it like to have been a guy who played against Kobe Bryant? Now that we know, you know, because 
this time last year, you could have said that, but it wouldn't have, it might not have meant the same thing, you know, obviously him passing in such a tragic way and such a young age, but this is one of the goats of the game and you played against him. You guarded him, you know, you, what, what, what does that mean to you now looking back on your career? Man, I mean, if anybody, everybody know me, know that, you know, Kobe has been a big, you know, part of my life, you know, to me, I've watched or thought about Kobe every single day of my, uh, every single every day since I played basketball. And uh, one of the only people that I've ever wanted to just, you know, wanted to be like, you know, it's just almost like the guy uh, wore, his, wore his shoes in college, uh, his number, you know, stole his free throw, throw routine. Uh, man, I love this dude, man. I can't tell you how much I love Kobe and what he actually meant to me uh, as a basketball player and as a person. Um, to play against him, man, that was that was the ultimate, you know, goal for me uh, in a sense of uh, wanting to wanting him to, to kind of like, I guess, validate, you know, I had game. And when I was in training camp, I was able to do that. And so uh, I wanted to be a sponge, man, uh, and just learn as much as, as possible from him. And he, he embraced me, which was was something, you know, I didn't really fear because you know, I knew I wasn't going to back down. Uh, I was grateful to have, you know, Mike Brown, at the time, you know, put me against Kobe the moment that, you know, I got to the training camp. And so, you know, it was it was a blessing to, you know, to, you know, not just see him, but to actually go against him for however many days those that training camp was. And we went at it every single day and I asked him every single question. And he kinda like expected it. So it was uh it was a it was a great, you know, I didn't I didn't back down. And, uh, you know, some people would be more so like, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but me, I wanted him to know, you know, I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, challenge you. It was a time where, you know, at the time Kobe was actually coming off the injury. I don't know if you guys remember that, but yeah. can't, can't remember what injury was coming off of, but he was in his prime and it might've been his knee. But when I went to training camp, I knew that. And so, it was a, a tough, you know, a, a long road for me to kind of like make the team. I knew that. But more importantly, I knew Kobe was trying to, he was going to kind of like come in at practice training camp to, to get himself back and to actually test and see where he was at. And I didn't back down, man. I told Kobe at some times that I was like, man, you're getting old. Kobe <laughs> coming. Yeah, real talk. And Kobe came right after I said that. And like one one practice, he dunked on Malcolm Thomas so hard, and he dunked on Malcolm Thomas so hard that we ended practice. They ended practice, and he just stared me down, <laughs> and I just walked off. But that's the type of guy he was, man. And I was just like, yeah, he's gonna be good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that knee's gonna be okay. I, yeah, I think that knee is gonna be okay. And this is, you know, this is the type of guy that he was. And he was, uh, he would talk, like, you can tell, you know, you can tell he was talking to himself. And one time after practice, like, he even, you know, this is a person I never told too many people this, but we were in the shower and he just looked, he said, that's what they don't get. And I said, what they don't get, Cole? 
And he was looking like it's only me and Jordan at the top. And it just left me like mind, you know what I'm saying, mind blown. And I'm like, bro, we're in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it. Like, I'm like, bro, we're in the shower. And he's like, studying, like he's locked in. And he said, that's what they don't get. And I'm like, what they don't get? I'm like, what you talking about, Cole? It's only me and Jordan at the top. Like, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> but this was when he was in his prime, though. You yeah. know? And so it was this guy, man, uh, rest in peace. Uh, in my household, he's, he's still not dead. You know, uh, my sons know about him. They cried. But I told him, you know, uh, you know, he's not going to die. He's not dead. He's going to live through all of us. And that's what he's been doing. And his legacy, you know, will last forever. Yeah. Yep, it's so well said, and you know, uh, some some players, some things transcend you know fan fandom. You know, as a lifelong Jazz fan, you know Kobe, Kobe got us a lot. Um, I used to love those games, man. I used <laughs> to love those games. Uh, Kobe playing the Jazz, like, and I it, you could tell that he used to look forward to it too. Yeah, well, I mean, I you think can tell. I think this. There are certain crowds I think players like playing in front of, and I think Kobe yeah. loved to just shut up jazz fans. So he always sure. brought it. He always brought it, and it was it was beautiful, but it was so painful. Um, yeah, too, because you know th- those years. I, I think about two thousand eight, second round Jazz Lakers. It was two two. It's game five, right? We mm-hmm. we ended up losing in six, but we we were right. We were right there, right there, and you know the Lakers went on. Um, to the finals, they lost to Boston. But the Jazz were were basically every bit as good as that team, and you know we we were just kind of missing something. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but the the Jazz we had some really really good teams that era. D. Will Booz, Corver, Paul, Was Memo, that, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie, Ronnie Brewer, Ronnie Brewer, uh, Matt Harpin. Was that yep. guy? Harpering, you know. Yeah, Jaron Collins, AK, like that, that, that was yeah, a squad. We had everything. Yeah. And think about how many guys had to guard Kobe and how many different, like we had defenders. We had AK, Ronnie Brewer, Matt Harpering, like so many different defenders that had to match up with this guy. He cooked all of them. Yep. <laughs> That's how good he was. <laughs> oh man. It's crazy. Truly, <laughs> truly a goat. Truly a goat. And For it's, sure, uh, I think everybody will remember where they were when they, when they learned of his passing. I, I know it was just a, such a surreal moment and, you know, I'm a grown man, but I, I cried and, uh, I think it was, a, it was a Sunday morning, late morning and I was at the gym actually. And, um, I was just sitting there in the middle, kind of just stretching and, I just like I just couldn't hold it in, and it's just you know, I think he just had such an impact that we don't even really realize, and maybe won't fully realize, and you know, for for years. But yeah, just uh, he definitely was definitely was underrated, man. Definitely underrated player, and I don't care what nobody says. Like he was underrated. When I say underrated, like nobody underappreciated. Sorry about that. Not underrated. Underappreciated. Um, and like you said, I don't know if it may be a while for people to realize how outstanding this guy was uh me personally man i feel like i like i gave the man his flower i couldn't i don't know if i give him more flowers than what i give him ever while he was living 
<laughs> I gained a bit, but I got his whole free throw routine. I wore his <laughs> shoes since. <laughs> I wore his shoes ever since high school, man. Like, I loved Kobe Bryant, man. And I appreciated everything that this man has done for the, the game as what he's done for this world. And so, you know, uh, it still hasn't hit me that he's gone, man. And so I'm still still trying to process it. But uh, my soul is definitely hurt by it. And uh, once my sons was crying about it, it kind of like forced me to be a little bit more strong, you know. Yeah. And so I'm still processing it, you know. Uh, God bless his, his daughters as well as his, his wife. And, um, yeah, his legacy is live on that. Yeah. Well, Eli, I, um, I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, why have we been talking? We've been talking a lot about coaching and, and, and strategy. I think, is there a coaching future? Like, do you, do you see yourself as a coach? Maybe when your kids get bigger or what, are you going to, you going to be a coach one of these days? Um, uh, I like consulting, man. Um, I don't, I don't know if coaching is, is my thing. I definitely can make a, a great consultant to some coaches as well as teams. Um, I don't have the passion, I guess, to, to coach right now. Um, maybe when my kids get older, who knows? I just never really had a passion for coaching, but I do have a, a passion for teaching as well as uh, consulting. And so uh, we'll see, you know, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. And uh, your your official pick was Nuggets and, Nuggets and, uh, and Seven tonight, right? My official pick is definitely. I mean, I have no other choice but to go with nine seven. But <laughs> you have, no, you have a choice. I'm giving you a no, choice. No, I definitely have a choice. <laughs> but honestly, uh, I feel that uh, the Nuggets have the the momentum. Um, it's going to be interesting. We definitely would never count a Utah Jazz team out. Uh, jazz team out. That's just not what you do. Uh, because Utah Jazz teams are always going to be tough. But um, who knows, man? It's definitely going to be a thriller. It's not going to be one of those situations where I feel like it's going to be a blowout game. Uh, it's definitely going to go down to the wire. And uh, either somebody's going to have to be a big, hit a big shot, somebody's going to have to get a big stop. Yeah. Either way, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. Well, that's what we live for, basketball fans, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, again, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, my best to you, your whole family, your kids. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, we've been able to stay connected uh, uh, through the years. And uh, I appreciate you uh, taking, the, taking the time to come on, Jazz. Anytime, brother. Thank you.